2: Welcome down to Champions YouTube friends dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we review the action from today's incredible World Cup games. With us today Michael Hood, James Bench and Luis Garcia. Let's get straight into it. We have to begin with Group E. Uh, yeah, Luis Garcia has a smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat smile Barely. on his face. Barely, okay. yeah. For all, Lucho, I mean, that was a crazy day to see Germany going out, Japan moving on. You'll be happy that Spain also move on, even though they lost the game.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have to thank Germany to do the job, what they have to do and and get that win against Costa Rica because we couldn't do it. I mean, we start well, we start dominating. But at the end, Japan, it was just better, uh, more intense, uh, more desire, more commitment. And that's the way that they play. And at the end, they score those two goals, so... Yeah, it's been a, a tricky day for the Spanish uh, uh,
2: supporters. Hey, Michael it was a very CONCACAF performance for Costa Rica <laughs> because they had an opportunity to go through here and they threw it away with a minute.
4: You know, James, Bench and I were doing the morning update, and Benj, I, I said it to you. I used the word conca-caft. Welcome to that definition. Welcome to that experience. <laughs> this is what Ian Joy and I get to experience watching the U.S. men's national team, the likes of Mexico, Canada, and now Costa Rica. Boggles my mind how you can gain so much momentum, have the game by the scruff of the neck, and then piss it all away in the blink of an eye.
2: James, just so impressive from Japan to finish the group in the way that they did. Do I mean really emphatic? You can also let us know your feelings on Germany getting knocked out. Wow. Oh, uh, well, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm an Englishman. My feelings on Germany getting knocked out are
5: this is fantastic. I mean, well, that that that's maybe not true. Um, certainly a World Cup is always better with Germany in the knockout stages, but not at the expense of this Japan team because I love them. I love what they're doing. Um Hajime Moriyasu, the, the coach that's just sort of decided like, actually, you don't need to bother playing in the first half. We'll just win it in the second <laughs> half. It, it was phenomenal. The energy they brought, you know, those Spanish players, Unai Simon, they'd look so comfortable even when the pressure came before. But then Japan ratcheted it up five, six levels. And for, for five minutes, Spain had no answer. And then, and we were talking about this before we came on air, Um, the quality of their defence when holding a lead, Japan, this is some some top level stuff. And uh, I think we're looking at a team that can that can at least win another round uh, and we'll be hanging around a little while longer yet. Although I think it might be Brazil after that, but uh,
2: I think they can get past Croatia. That's for sure. All right, let's get into that a little bit later on. We'll talk about the two qualifiers from Group E, but let's begin with Germany getting knocked out. They did win the game against Costa Rica. Serge Gnabry opened a score, and they conceded a couple of goals before Kai Havertz came off the bench and scored to himself. Nicholas Fulcourt rounded things off here, but Michael LaHood, uh, for Germany, okay, it was not a great performance in, in any way, but let's talk about the competition in whole. They are out of the World Cup. This is a disaster for the German Football Federation.
4: Yeah, they'll be feeling it from the final whistle to when they get back home to Germany. Hansi Flick was supposed to come in and right the wrongs of 2018. Now they look back in the mirror and think, holy crap, Avita Zeng, Germany. Is it Avita Zeng? Yeah, Zeng. Yep. Oh, Thank you very much. What I don't understand is if you're Hansi Flick, Kai Havert, Fulkug. How do you not play these players? How do you not start the likes of a Nicholas Fuku? Ten goals in the German Bundesliga. Thomas Müller, not the guy. I think it's an over-reliance, over-trust on some of the old heads. And this is a German team, too little, too late. I look in that first game, that second goal against Japan. That was the difference. The game against Spain was always going to be a tight one. But they left it on the table against the Japanese. And here they are. They left it on the table going into this third game, and it cost them at the end of the day. I don't think they were deserving to go in the next round. And hey, congratulations to Japan and congratulations to Spain.
3: No, definitely, Mike. You, I think that they woke up too late. They thought that they, they will be enough. They, they had to play against Spain. They were going to do well. We're going to get a result. We do the result. Uh, today was about, uh, yes, time to see that the, uh, Germany was going to score. You could see, I mean, I'm still listen. Musiala, oh, what a player! I mean, I enjoy so much watching him play, getting that such a your age, all the, 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 all that was needed for the game. He was asking the ball in every way. He was uh, uh, trying to be players, shooting, not even looking around, like saying, Listen, guys, I'm going to do the job today, I, all, all on my own. And I, it was so impressive. And at the end, you could see that it was so many chances, so many options. Uh, the, the replacement, they work habits. I think it was very good in the last 20 minutes, scoring those goals and also. And uh, at the end of Folker, but for me, it's just that first game. You cannot let everything happen into the last one. Get the first one, and then see what happened. So um, it was all about that. And now they're out, and definitely, I'm with uh, with James. I I don't like to see a World Cup without Germany. They always competitive. They always a team that you enjoy when they arrive those uh, those rounds. And now we are going to see a, a different style that I think is also very good for the rest of the country. See Japan getting involved in this competition. This way, first on the group with, Japan, with Spain and Germany, I think just fantastic for football. I
5: mm-hmm. kind of want to take everyone back. And I know, Lucha, you weren't on the pod this time, so you'll, you'll, you'll get to enjoy this fresh, whereas these guys are uh, listening to something I've said before. <laughs> but as I was saying in our preview pod before the tournament, you know what Logan Roy would say to Germany, you're just not a killer. I don't know how that has happened because it's, you know, I I know some of this is engaging in stereotypes, but we always thought of German teams as even when they weren't the most talented, there was a mentality there that meant they would get the result. This Germany team is to me, almost the polar opposite. The talent is there. We saw it in the second half against Spain where they, they responded really well. We saw it before Japan equalized. I, I haven't seen the Costa Rica game, but it seems like we saw it there as well. But, in the big moments, they make things harder for themselves. You know, take it, I mean, Euro 2020 as well, that Thomas Muller miss. It's become the stage where, they, like, this group of German players, I wouldn't trust them in a big game. Um, I don't know if that's Hansi Flick. I don't know if that's the the type of players that they're creating. Mercurial, playmakers, you know, no classic number nines, weaknesses at fullback and centre-back. I don't know if that's kind of translates into a mentality thing, but whatever it is, I think that is... That's what the the DFB have to look at over the next two years because the talent's there, but they're about to host the
2: Euros and I don't know if they'd be able to cope with that pressure. Listen, that's a great comment, James. You talk about the mentality and it's 100% spot on when it comes to Germany, also with the physicality, also with the talent when it comes to being killers out there on the pitch. There are a lot of talent there, sprinkled everywhere. And we we enjoy watching Musiala today. Sometimes a bit selfish, but that's okay. He's a young boy. But outside of that, you know, where is that killer instinct from the players that you should be relying on? Didn't see it from Serge Gnabry too much in this competition. Didn't right. see it from Lee Rozani in this competition. Saw absolutely nothing from Thomas Müller in this competition, mm-hmm. which is a massive disappointment. But that's not the big point for me. The big point for me is the lack of quality when it comes to 11 players on the pitch. Normally, I'm used to seeing competition for places with Germany. This Germany doesn't have that. They don't have the competition in many positions. If you look at the centre-back position, you're having to bring in, obviously, Rudiger. We know he's one of the best defenders out there. Certainly aggressive, certainly can be a discipline issue, but he's still one of the best defenders out there. Who you got next to him? Nicolas Zule? who's coming to the end of his career. He moved away from Bayern Munich because of the pressure, wants to be at Borussia Dortmund in cruise control in his career. You move then Joshua Kimmich to a right-back position. You bring in Raum into a left-back position. I know he made a move to Leipzig recently, but not the best left-back. The quality's just not there defensively. And then when you have a goalkeeper who makes a couple of errors in a big game like this, you will be punished. I think Germany will have to go back to the drawing board. Now, when I first moved over to Germany, to Hamburg, it was just after the, the, the 2002 World Cup. And obviously, they, they they were desperately disappointed. They then invested a ton of money in the youth product. And 2014 was the result of all that investment back into the youth game, getting better players, getting more competition for places. Watch out for the Bundesliga when it comes to rules and regulations for foreigners coming into their league. They have been relaxed for years and years and years. And more teams are spending money on foreigners because maybe they get you know more for their money more branding and Japanese like players that. a lot yeah, of Japanese yeah. players well great point you know the, the winning goal from the Japanese players for Fiduna Dusseldorf in the second Bundesliga I mean you are seeing a lot of um foreign imports coming into the Bundesliga having success and really improving their own game where the German national team is really struggling with uh, the quality in my opinion as a battle for places I that is my rant over James what are your thoughts on that <laughs>
5: I mean, what's, what's quite interesting though is that that's almost the argument kind of going back to when Lucho, when you were playing in the Premier League, I'm sure you remember a lot of mm. kind of people were saying there's not enough English talent in the league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people like Luis Garcia are stealing opportunities from our young English players. But almost the more open the Premier League's been, <laughs> the better the, the better the English players have become because you have to fight to compete at, at the very highest level. I almost wonder if I know it's it's not quite as insular as, as England or maybe even as Italy, but I think some of these, some of these players in the Germany squad, more of them would benefit from, from playing further abroad from coming to the premier league. A lot of it is Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. And I think kind of as Bayern does, so does the German national team, this Bayern team, you know, we've actually seen those, as you as you said earlier in the season, we saw those weaknesses in the Bundesliga a slight a slight brittleness to them. And I think that has translated to the international stage. Yeah, James, we were
3: talking about that with the Mexican national team. Mm. That's uh, the difference between a a competitive national team and a a just domestic national team, if we can call it this way. When you are full, you got a a squad full of uh, 18 players that they are playing, for example, in La Liga, you don't have the different expertise that you're Mm. going to learn, the different um, uh, ways of play that you can get when you play in Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in the Calcio. So at the end, that's the difference. You need that. You need to have your own teams, your Spanish players or German players in this occasion playing in England, playing in La Liga, playing in Italy, because they will bring that different styles of play to your team. They will have different expertise, different abilities, and that's going to make a more competitive team. So we talked about that uh, uh, with Mexico, and I think it's what is happening with this uh, uh, German national team. When you got that, you're not going to be successful. You need different style of play.
4: When I look at this German national team, and I look at the demeanor of Hansi Flick going into this World Cup, going into that first game, I think a a bit of overconfidence because – That first half, that first 50 minutes, it was one-way traffic. They were rolling out the carpet and really passing the ball along, passing it in the box, maybe should have shot the ball earlier, maybe made the extra pass. They weren't bothered. Then they get punched in the mouth. And really their first sense of – what's the word I'm looking for? The first sense of, let's say, conflict. The first sense of trouble that they have to face – at a World Cup, at a major st- tournament with a group that didn't stack up, that didn't have the guts and the metal to well, deal with don't forget with it.
2: they got put out in the group stage last World Cup as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, with Hansi Flick, he looked shell-shocked once that J- Japanese second goal went in, didn't have a response, and then it was scrambling. Then it becomes, do you go with the trusted Bayern Munich players that you know, or do you go with players? I, I see this throughout the World Cup. Do you go with the players the old heads, the old guard, the players that you know, or do you go with players that are in form? The fact that Nicholas Fulkrug, when you have a striker who scores a goal in a massive game that gets you to that last game, how you do not play him, start him earlier, get him on the field earlier, that is on the manager, that is a coaching decision, and those are the things yeah, that but, cost you the major They won
2: this game though, Mike, right? I don't think it was really a problem winning this game. They were they were in trouble a little bit in this game, obviously with Costa Rica taking the lead, but you know they still won the game at the end of the day. I think that it's the whole group stage in general, just you know, not but getting my, the job done in general.
4: But my point goes back to that. You have a, you have a striker who's the third. He's tied third in the Bundesliga for goals. You need yeah, a striker. Is, is, he is he really good, good enough
2: for, for the German national team? Is he really good enough good, for the German national shown,
4: team? He's shown he's good enough for the German national team. Not for me. With what he's done in the World Cup, you, you're looking me. at you're looking at players in the, your domestic league, right? Majority of these players are in your domestic league and when you need a goal you brought him in late cuz Timo Werner is not playing or was injured i think you got to give him more of a chance than you did earlier in the games that's what is that you
3: don't have you don't have any other i mean the thing is if you want to play the steel, the style of play that the german team plays with uh, players wide open in in one or two players just behind you need a player who taking the center backs and you don't have that kind of player muller is not that kind of player and he's been playing in that center position the three games and then he seeming himself just lost. At some point that he is not arriving into the near post, he's not arriving at the back because he's used to play as a playmaker, he's used to play behind the striker, arriving in the second line, helping the midfielder, running all around, and he has to be there in the same position. So I think when you don't have that kind of player, why not try that? Let's try from the beginning because if it doesn't work you got a chance to change after. But if it doesn't work without him in the beginning, now don't try to work it out in the last game because now you got a player who scored in the last game's two goals and you could have used him in the first one. And now it's too late.
2: Now it's too late. Germany go out. Mm-hmm. Costa Rica go out. Spain move on. Japan move on with a big win against Spain. Two goals to one. Alvaro Morata scored once again. By the way, scored in every group game so far. And when he scored his goal, he had only been on the field for 40 minutes, which is incredible. The guy just knows how to find the back of the net and I'm so happy for him to see him score in the World Cup. Rizzo Dwan scored early on in the second half to make it 1-1. And then Tanaka, the Fortuna Dusseldorf, as James pointed out there, getting his trade in Germany, knocking Germany, Germany and Costa Rica out and getting a massive victory for Japan. James, let's get into it. I mean, I want to hear all about Lucho's thoughts on Spain, but from you in particular, what was your impression of the game? What was your impression of Japan, who had 17% possession of the ball in this game That's the one? That's all they
5: needed. I mean, I think a good explanation <laughs> of, of this game would be that, you know, I do the power rankings for CBS Sports. I've had Spain second since the opening game. And for a large part, at halftime, I was convinced I was going to put Spain top. 15 minutes later, I was like, okay, Spain are going to have to go off the whole power (laughs) rankings because Costa Rica are about to knock them out. Um, Like You know, Lucho will come on to talk about this more, no doubt, but I thought Spain in the first half were wonderful. Mm. Um, It didn't quite translate into as many shots, but I thought that was really good last line defending by Japan, who this whole tournament, it's been tough. They've been lucky. Uh, the goalkeeper's been fantastic in the in the two wins, um, but they have defended their box brilliantly. They are not the Japan that you would have thought they were if you hadn't watched them. They are strong. They are tough. They are quick. This isn't you know the old stereotypes of technical Japanese footballers. Although they are that as well, um, a wonderful team. A coach who is is clearly like I mean I joked about it at the top of the show, but he's whatever he's doing with his substitutes, it's a game changer, an X factor that is almost as valuable as a superstar player. Um, I, I I love this team full of energy, full of strength. And uh, as you can see, I've got my, got my Japan shirt on because they also have the coolest (laughs) kits. And you know, I want we get seeing more of their shirts at the World Cup, and that's no bad thing.
3: Yeah, definitely. for For me, the the the, the key part of the Japan uh, Japanese team is that they know very clear what they have to do in every single mm-hmm. moment. They got that defense they, in the first ten minutes of the game when uh, Spain, that you will mention, they were playing well, they were being patient, they were keeping the ball, trying to to bring the ball to one side and the other side quick to try to break those two lines that uh, Japan was putting in front of them but it was beautiful to see the Japanese players move around. They were like butterflies just moving on side and the other side, they were patient. They knew that they will have chances during the game because they hadn't uh, in, during the, la- the last uh, two games. They need to wait the, the moment. They wait for the first 45 minutes. One nil, there's no problem. Second t- second uh, half, let's bring it on. Let's bring a little bit more intensity. Let's go for it. They get the two goals. In the, name. in the moment they got the two goals, they say, listen, let's go back again. Let's wait and let's put that build. And Spain... Today, I think it was a little bit tired. I've seen the midfield with Pedri, yeah. Gabi, and Busquets a little bit tired. When you play against a very physical team like, like Japan, uh, you can make changes. I think that Luis Enrique saw it very quick. Uh, Morata out. They put Ferrani inside. He put also Ansu Fati very quick. He put a, a different mm-hmm. place to try to come at half very quick in the after half time to try to bring on that energy. And I think it didn't work that well. Why? It's not because they were trying. I think that the ball was moving quite too slow. But it's because mm-hmm. Japan wasn't giving one meter of space to these players. Very on them in every single time the Perry was on the ball, Busquets was on the ball, Ogabi was on the ball. And the players up front, there were no space to try to get uh, to be players. So at the end, you kind of handle uh, very well this Spanish side that now is in trouble because you've been exposed. Now you have to go and play in the, in the next round, knowing that if they put a good defense at the back, it's going to be tricky.
5: I'd just like to ask a question of all the, the people that have played the game. Have you ever been in a position like the one Spain were in, in the last few minutes of the game, where maybe you're aware that actually everything is
2: okay? You're not even asking me and Mike this question. You're asking Lucho this question. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you, know, yeah. you, know, you know, he's Spanish. He's yeah. Spanish. Yeah. He just watched that game. We've also got comments coming in saying, oh wait, come on here though. You know, listen, absolutely. They were playing for that result because they wanted to finish second. So well, Ian, I have to assume you've been
5: in control. some some relegation battles.
3: No, you can't. Um, listen, right. <laughs> if you're trying to, to to talk about trying, I think Luis Enrique was very clear and I think that When you are on the field, you are not playing for the game. Maybe in the last two minutes, knowing what happened in the other game, you can listen, let's keep the ball because we are okay. But think about that. The Costa Rica game, it was 4-2 at the end. But in that moment, 2-1, Luis Enrique mentioned it in the press conference yesterday. Imagine that you have been working the whole 95 minutes. The other game is 95 minutes. They are nil. Costa Rica score a goal and you are out. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot wait for that. You cannot yeah. leave. Yeah. I mean, yesterday we saw a very ex- a very good example with Poland playing to that, playing for yellow card, playing because they don't have any other arguments on the field. But I think Spain doesn't have to wait to see that. They were trying to go, and you've seen uh, Jordi Alba in the second half, Ferran Torres trying to score that goal, trying to get the equalizer because that gives you that freedom. Yeah. And, so, and much more than that, the confidence of go to the next round because you go now home thinking, I I got a draw against Germany that was well organized and disciplined and I I yeah. lost against Japan that's not the best mental mental moment to go to to play in the next round so mm-hmm. I don't think that you when you are on the field I'm thinking about that
4: Yeah you have to seize destiny in your own hands the Spanish national team they did that in the first two games disappointing result to give up A lead against Germany but if you have one eye on the other game you're not doing your job on the field which leads me to this about Japan I think Spain got baited into what Germany got baited into the lack of that second goal the tiki-taka yes it's a beautiful thing but Japan's manager he is willing to try something yes Hansi Flick I'm talking to you he is willing to put players out there that do make a difference and not stand by players that aren't making a difference I think Doan I mean, this guy plays for Freiburg. He's a good player. He puts him on immediate impact. Matoma plays for Brighton, puts him on, take you back to that Germany game. Matoma had a hand in the ball to Minamino on the first goal that sets up the equalizer. These are players that you can now trust if you're Japan, if you're a manager. You know who your go-to players are, that if you need a bit of uptick in energy, you put them on the field to make a difference. And I think this is a Japanese team. I agree with you, Ben, that I think they have a bit more story to play out at this World Cup.
2: Let me just tell you real quickly, James Bench, because it's a fantastic question. I thought Lucho answered it perfectly well. There has been situations where I think we've all seen games where there has been this slowing down of the play. There's been a result, maybe a promotion, maybe a relegation, teams are going on, whatever it may be. We've seen those games before. Um, I've never been a part of that game. I have been a part of a game where a team was desperate for promotion and uh, we were already champions of the league. So there was a slowing down of the game. They could have potentially lost a second place. So we slowed down the game. We were already half drunk from the nights out that we were partying before (laughs) anyway. So it didn't really matter. We couldn't run much longer. But here's one point. This is a, this is a great example of it. Um, there are winners. There are players who play to win games. doesn't matter who you're playing against, what the scenario could be. I was one of those guys. I would run through a brick wall and run through anybody to win a training game, never mind to win an actual physical game. I remember playing a preseason friendly game and we were playing against Random Village in Germany and uh, we were winning, I don't know, 13-0 in a preseason game. We're all knackered. I'm running around like crazy. It's 11-0, 12-0, whatever it is. And uh, one of the guys goes, hey, You think we should let them get a goal, you know? So the fans I said, let let them get a goal? Are you kidding me? Let them get a goal. So I called the coach. I said, get him off the pitch here. He wants to let them get a goal. I was so pissed off that he said to me, hey, by the way, we're going to let a goal in. No, I just don't see it. I don't see that mentality come from the Spanish players whatsoever. You can't afford to have that mentality. And this Spain is good enough to beat any of the teams all the way through to the World Cup final. They really are. So I don't think they fear anyone, even though it might have worked out pretty nicely for them. Better be careful what you wish for, because Morocco are going to be a very difficult team to play against as well. Real quickly, Lucho, it is Morocco who's coming up next uh, for you guys. Just a quick comment on, on that game, on that fixture.
3: I don't like it. <laughs> I, just don't
2: like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys,
3: you guys are talking, no, it's very good. It's second, you're playing to play second. No, I don't like it. I don't like to play against Morocco. Of course, I don't like to play against uh, Croatia either because I think they got a lot of talent. But I've seen uh, Morocco today, and they are a very difficult team. They concede only one goal, only one, and it's been an own goal. And this guy up front with Sijek and City. they are very difficult to beat. A lot of speed up front, a lot of uh, uh, quality. So I don't like it. We'll see. I think we we need to improve. We need to bring the the game because if not, we're not gonna go through.
2: James, real quickly, your thoughts?
5: Yeah. Everything Lucho said, and I mean that this quality right across the, the side. I think people a lot of people, as I said earlier with Mike, you go look at that squad list, it's it's players at top European clubs right the yeah. way from front to back. Um mm-hmm. it's gonna be really hard. You would think Spain would win, but they will not find it easy.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I look at this Morocco team, uh, one of their unsung heroes, and we touched on this at in the start of the morning show, is Amrabat. I think the Fiorentina man, I think he's been solid. He's been an absolute rock. What Morocco does well, yes, they have the weapons up top to hit you on the counter, but they don't give you much space to play between the lines. I think if they can maintain that, Spain's strength is in that midfield three to keep possession, to create angles, to play in half spaces. If Morocco could snuff out those spaces, I think it's going to be a – Difficult and frustrating time for Spain. If Spain can break lines with forward passes, get Pedri Gavi to dictate a bit, then the Spanish will win.
2: All right, let's take a quick break. More to come when we come back. Let's take a a quick look at how Group F ended and also we'll preview what's happening in the World Cup coming up tomorrow. Uh, Everybody, you're watching House of Champions. We'll be right back. If you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports Podcast family. In Soccer We Trust. Former U.S. Men's National Team stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pearson, Charlie Davies are previewing and reacting to every U.S. match with a perspective that only they can offer. Download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you found this one. Welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. Let's turn our attention to Group F. Wow. This was a crazy game. I don't even know where to begin. I want to begin with Morocco, but I think I'm going to start with Croatia against Belgium. 27 shots there was in this game. 16 of them came from Belgium. Uh, game ended 0-0. James Benz, your thought overall as Belgium go crashing out?
5: Like, we're going to talk about Lukaku, aren't, I? aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I> have to. <laughs> yeah. All I would say is, if it's got to the last... If you're Belgium, and I, I don't think this Belgium team is anywhere near what they were, but... If you are that group of players, if it's got to the last 45 minutes and you're at do-or-die stage of a group stage, you've done something badly wrong before Romelu Lukaku gets on the pitch. That's what it comes down to for me. They left themselves in in far too tight a situation going into that final game. Frankly, of the four points they've got, they're incredibly lucky to have three of them. Um, this team is... You know, you can't expect every golden generation, so-called golden generation, to win a trophy. It's just not fair. But I think when you kind of look at the totality of what they've achieved, one semi-final, probably you would argue only one really big win, and that was against Brazil in 2018, and what a win it was. I think that if this is, as we all think, kind of the end of this era, I think they have actually been a fairly significant disappointment.
4: I got... Yeah, when I look at Belgium, I think it's going to be easy for Romelu Lukaku to be the scapegoat for obvious reasons. I mean, that chance that he missed the first one, I think that was the worst of all of them. The point blank header, the defender gets a flick on it, and you know we've seen those miss before. But this is a player who, given the last two matches they played against Costa, or Costa Rica, I wish it was Costa Rica, Croatia, Lukaku had three goals in two matches against Croatia coming into the first ever World Cup meeting. So you like your chances if you're a broker Martinez, who I feel very much for because as Lutra and I talked ahead of the show, he's a good guy. He's one of the gentlemen of this game. But I just look at how fractured I look at so many players out of form, the likes of Eden Hazard, the likes of Dries Mertens, who is not the Mertens of Napoli of years ago. You're relying on players who aren't in the same mindset, who aren't in the same capacity to deliver. I think this is a Belgium team that needs to move forward with younger talent. This was a good opportunity for the likes of Trossard to be front and center and they didn't take advantage of it.
3: Listen, let me let me let me say something about we're talking about Lukaku. They come in, he makes quite a few mistakes, but um, that's why he played the first two games, didn't he? And he scored goals. Yes. How is possible that a player who is played, I mean, that you gave him the confidence in the first one and second one game that he scored for you, even though that I think they wasn't the best games for him. I think that we we still missing a lot from him, but we don't see it. You don't see it. You need a goal, only one goal, and you don't see the top scorer of your team. Uh, you are listening that Troussard you play up front, so you bring it on. But these are things that I still don't understand. That's why probably I'm never going to be a manager when I'm outside Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to think about, listen, what would I do? And I see that I'm so far away from from the decisions that, for example, Roberto Martinez, that has been coaching for quite a while Uh, on the field. I'm surprised. I'm just surprised because you need a team. The team was wide open and they they were receiving so many contacts. In the last uh, 15 minutes, you just bring everything. I mean, just bring the keeper because you need only one goal. And I didn't see that desperation. I didn't see that desire of this Belgian team. They were just trying, uh, missing chances, another chance. And I didn't see the regret, you know, or the the, the pain of listening. I, you could see uh, Lukaku just lying, and the other players just going back. No, no intensity. No kind of. I will say in Spain, will say they don't have um, blood on their veins. They got. Milk, let's call it this way. So, because water. you don't see, yeah, water, you don't see that reaction that, listen, guys, you are playing for going through in the workout and you only need one goal and you are not even creating that opportunity for someone, someone some of the players. So, yeah, yeah, Lukaku missed the chance because he's the striker, he's the player who is at the at front, but I didn't see much from. Excuse me from the other ones. I didn't see. the Bruyne has been somewhere there, but no Merced, no Carrasco. Carrasco should be Mm. one of the key players of this team, and he's not even close to that.
2: Great point as well. And you almost saw the blood boiling a little bit from Lukaku as well at the end of the game when he recognized the opportunities that that he did miss. Uh, Here's a couple of statistics. Um, Belgium failed to progress from the group stage of a major tournament, World Cup or Euros, for the first time in the 21st century. The 22 World Cup being their sixth tournament over that period. Um, Romelu Lukaku, a couple of stats for you. 54 minutes played, five shots, four big chances, four big chances missed, two shots on target. No goals. Again, fitness levels, you would have to question for Romelu Lukaku. Let's turn our attention to Croatia. I mean, they got the job done here, but Croatia look like they're not necessarily the Croatia that we have witnessed in previous major tournaments, certainly the 2018 World Cup. Um, James, what's your thoughts overall on Croatia in particular as to how they progress? And it's a big game for them coming up next because they they really are up against it. Yeah. I mean, you you kind of are willing the the
5: old guard to, to creep back into life. And there have been moments... But, you know, I mean, I have two thoughts. One, Josko Gvardiol, what a player. He, I mean, he kind of... 20 years old. Yeah. He's the next superstar defender. And at moments, it kind of felt like it was him against the entire Belgian attack. The other thing, I mean, there's a clear thing here, a clear bit of advice for anyone that comes up against Croatia. The only time we've seen them play well this tournament was when they were all offended because John Herdman had said something totally reasonable to his players. I mean, I would think it is, you know, we're going to go out, like you say to your players, if we play like this again, we're going to beat the, the opposition. I'm sure you guys heard that hundreds of thousands of times in the dressing I room. I used to see it. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, because it's totally normal. But Croatia, who have the thinnest skins in world football, seem to have got as offended by this as they did by England singing a song at the 2018 <laughs> World Cup. So, Hajime Moriasu, my big tip for you don't say anything. Just They will get offended. You just If anyone asks you a
2: question they're about it, they're too nice, James. There's not I a worry about Japan saying that. They're too
5: nice. <laughs> Garland them with praise and you'll destroy them because uh, unless they've got some insult that they feel like they're playing against, they're not the same team they were.
4: Yeah, the, w- Watching this match, yes, Belgium, because of the desperation that they were under, they created chances and, and should have scored, should have taken the lead. But Croatia also created some chances, and it was down to the the experienced players. Uh, the likes of Luka Modric had two golden opportunities, Ivan Perisic. I think this is the type of tournament, the World Cup, the international stage, that players like Ivan Perisic, Kramaric, who was a factor in the 2018 World Cup, especially in the knockout round, I think those two players can be some of Just the the linchpins for this Croatia team to will them forward to make a surprise run or get a surprise result in this knockout round. Krammerich, you're looking for a goal. I said it during the group stages. He is not an out-and-out striker. He's a player who can play anywhere along the front line. His best position is either as an attacking midfielder, as we saw in 2018, or as a winger, as we're seeing. He has the freedom to run anywhere, play in the pockets, make runs in behind. He has that extra bit of quality. If that midfield three, Luka Modric in particular, can find him running in behind, can get him in front of goal, he can get a goal for them in a big game like the game they have coming up.
2: It's a great point because certainly when you go to the knockout stages, you need big game players. You need players to step up. I mean, Lucio, you know that more than anybody else. Playing in knockout competition, you need those big players. You need when you're in a pitch, and also you were you were one of them as well. That, that players looked at to we need a bit of magic from you. We need that magic moment. I look at this Croatia side right now, and it's kind of frustrating to me because they look a bit tired. Sure, you can you can recognize they're they're a bit aged from where they were in 2018. But I don't see that killer in them as well when it comes to attacking. There's no killer inside that penalty area. They're sort of hoping that they can score a goal. There's no real commitment knowing that they can score a goal. So that would concern me when they go up against a Japan side. Now you've watched Japan
3: very closely against Spain. How can you beat Japan if you are Croatia going into that game? No, no chance at the moment. Uh, yeah, totally fantastic point. And uh, you can see we were talking before about Musiala. They was even a little bit selfish on today's game. To Grabbed the ball a few occasions. He could have give the ball, but he was he had the desire of going forward and trying to score. In this creation team, all the players that I've seen: Kramaric, Lavia, Perisic, Kovacic, Brosony, Modric. All of them, they're assisting. They like to give the ball to the next player. They like to. They are not uh, sc- goal scorers. They like to be in They are playmakers. They can be very good on -on one-on-one. They can arrive in second line. They can, of course, be clinically there in front of the goal because of the quality, but they are not top scorers. They are not players who are going to score 20, 25 goals. And you need these kind of players when you arrive to this stage that you just mentioned. Because against Japan, you're not going to have the 10 times that you have today uh, in front of the goal. You're going to have one, you're going to have two because they're not going to give you anything else. And if you don't have a player who can get that, you're gonna be in trouble because this Japan team in a counter attack, and we've seen that today. Croatia was very vulnerable at the bar with a lot of space. Thanks that James just mentioned Wardiol was fantastic today. Yeah. They could be in a, in a big danger if if they don't get those opportunities capitalized.
4: Yeah, I think Croatia do have a player. They haven't utilized them as much. And I think it's Bruno Petkovic. I've been crying out for this guy to come in. We've seen him play in the Champions League. He can be provider. He's got good feet. When I watch Spain in the first half against Japan, Alvo Morata having a focal point. Uh, d- Croatia have players who can cross the ball well. Ivan Perisic is a very good crosser of the ball. When you're a wide player and you pick your head up, the Japanese back line is not the tallest. And I think a player who can be vulnerable, Marata exposed it. It's Akora. He plays in the Bundesliga. I think his positioning, I think he ball watches at times. The likes mm-hmm. of Bruno Petkovic, who can maybe reinvent his run, I think that could be a point of success for them if they want to get forward.
2: Last point real quickly. Obviously, we touched upon um, many things that have happened. It's been controversial. Um, but at the end of the day, um, how would we rate Roberto Martin as his job that he has done at Belgium overall? We've talked about the lack of success lifting trophies here. But, James, out of 10, what would you give it? 10 being dreadful and one being uh, 10 being very successful, 1 being dreadful. What would you give it out of 10? I mean, like a 4. It's yeah. tough. Like, it's okay. It's good. And we have to
5: remember like Belgium don't do this normally, you know, they aren't a football superpower, but, and I mean, like, let's assume it's all, it doesn't have to be over like, you know, Lukaku and and Courtois and De Bruyne could all come back for the Euros, but it just felt a bit, all felt a little bit insubstantial. Like they were the Kings of the group stages, but actually faltered too often in the knockout rounds. And like I was saying earlier, if you go through like the teams they've beaten in the knockout rounds, Brazil is the only one that stands out that one occasion. It's, you know, it was the, the defenders were always a little bit too old compared to the midfielders. There were never any good fullbacks. Um, But, you know, I think if you gave other managers, if you gave a Luis Enrique a Hansi flick, even though he's just been knocked out, if you gave that real top tier of managers, if you gave them the Belgium squad, I think they would have at least been a regular at the semi final,
3: let's give it a five. That is a good lad. Let's yeah,
2: give it a five. <laughs> that was all I was looking for. I was yeah, just looking yeah. for the James Bench <laughs> hot take right there. I was thinking he was going to say, you know, six, you know, yeah, it's pretty cool. dear. No, four, get, get out of here.
5: Five is the starting point, five is like average. <laughs> little
2: below uh, average. All right, let's turn our attention to the other game and congratulations to Morocco. Got a, an important victory. Hakim Ziyech scored once again mm. a goalkeeping error early on in the game. Uh, four minutes into the game. Yusuf onezri made it 2-0, 23 minutes into the game. Uh, first Moroccan player in history to score in two separate World Cups. Uh, only four games he has played in the World Cup. Two goals from him, not bad as well. An own goal in the 40 minutes gave Canada a bit of a lifeline. But congratulations to Morocco. We're going to start there. Um, Michael, I actually said that this might be the best team in Africa, the way they're playing, yeah. the way they're defending is so impressive to me. They are super dynamic. They're very pacey. They've got skill. They know how to finish. But this is just an unbelievable job they have done.
4: Yeah, it's a complete team. It's a team that also, you have to go back to January during the African Cup of Nations, a team that had a lot of off the field issues. Their, their former manager cut out the likes of Akim Gias, cut out the likes of Mazraoui. From the team. Those are big impact players. And now you have a new manager who's not going to mess with the locker room. It's a unified locker room. And you're seeing that unification on the field. Players running for each other. They have the quality to transition from back to front. That is the strength of this team. size the captain, he is leading them in that middle of the back. And then your two outside backs, they're like wingers when they play. They have the quality. The ball from Hakimi, my word. He's oh, getting awesome. pressed. As soon as he sees the space opening up, he delays it just enough to give El Nesri the time and space, knowing his teammate has the pace. We see it in La Liga when El Nesri is at his best. He is just ferocious in the final third. He's got the pace, he's got the composure, and he's got the appetite for goals. And I thought this was a big game for him to get a goal going in the knockout round. Mm
5: -hmm. Can I talk briefly about Canada? Because one, we didn't really hit them in the earlier pod. But -hmm. also they feel like a team that have been quite harshly done by just by the nature of results. I think they will have learned a huge amount from this tournament and it's a been a really successful cycle for them. And I think you have to judge these things in cycles, but, um, I, I mean, really a, a great addition to the world cup. I have to say, I think they're going to be magnificent hosts, uh, in, in four years time. Um, And players like Alphonso Davies, Jonathan David are only going to go from strength to strength. This was a tough game for them. I think everyone that's been in this situation, you just want to get home, don't you? I think they must have built it up so much in their heads. But um, yeah, can we give some love to Canada? Because, uh, you know, they're our neighbours. Well, not mine. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, to, be, to be honest, they, they've been a joy to watch. The yeah. problem is mm-hmm. that there's been a, if if the supporters are happy, if the people outside is they are saying that oh yes, guys, you 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 gave us what we want. You know that you're in trouble. Then probably the manager is not very happy because you know that you've been exposed many many times. Uh, yeah, they make so many mistakes at the bar. They let, let a lot of spaces that the other team can uh, use on their advantage. And I think that that's been the problem. That not having the experience that in the World Cup, have a look what they are the teams that they are going through. Teams that they are very disciplined, organized at the back, and then they got the quality up front. And yeah, they got options because they got pace up front, they got a very good transition... But at the back, you cannot make the mistake. So they, in a very important game, even though that you don't, you're, you're not qualified, but getting a, a good result even gave you that confidence and at least getting something to your supporters and to yourself, you make the first mistake and then you, you're uh, quite open. But let's not forget that the serious scoring of the goal There was disallowed inside the box quite easily. The, score, the goal that he scored is to talk about the center bank and say, listen, guys he's been running for quite a long distance. You have to stop him. He cannot get into the box and have a clear um, uh, shot. So at the end, it's a a pity that we don't see anymore this kind of, uh, but it's the way that it is the World Cup. You cannot allow so so many mistakes that we've seen from Canada's side.
2: Some great comments coming in here. John C saying it's been great to see this tournament leveling out. UEFA always dominating is tiring right here. Paolo Scara saying that Croatia definitely does seem hypersensitive. And Richard Lee saying a lot of love from this podcast from Australia. Shout out to you. Congratulations to Australia going through. Richard also saying that German focused too much on the rainbow armband than playing football this tournament, which is why they lost. Certainly the numbers, the TV ratings in Germany were way, way down. Last comment coming in also from... Richard saying that Japan can beat Croatia great comments and Martin has blew it They need a new manager, ASCP. That one comes in from SJ Sichon. Great stuff, as always, guys, in the group stage here. We move on to what is coming up on Friday. Let's take a quick look at Group G. Serbia against Switzerland, Cameroon against Brazil. Brazil already through to the last 16. Switzerland can make it to the last 16 with a win or a draw versus Serbia. We begin with Serbia against Switzerland um, and Group G in general. You can talk about either game you want here, Michael. But this is a cracking game, Serbia against Switzerland. You know, for me, I still have Serbia. To go through here. I don't know why. Maybe I'm not looking enough at Switzerland, but I still fancy Serbia to do the business here to go through with Brazil.
3: Yeah,
4: it's hard to bet against them with their attack. You have Mil- Milinkovic Savage, top assist getter in Syria, and quality finish in the last game. Mitrovic, though, this guy was billed to be the headliner. He is the real deal. Doing it in the prem, doing it against Cameroon. And I think This is the type of matchup that that Mitrovic lives for. It's going to be a physical game. The Swiss, they sit in a deep block, and they want to make it ugly. They want to grind it out. They want 1-0. That's going to favor the Swiss. Serbia, they have the firepower to get goals. Dusan Tadic as well. They have the attacking players. It's now managing the game. Against Cameroon, you're up 3-1. That game was done and dusted. But then they kept the high line. They kept pressing, pressing, pressing. And I think they need more balance in their tactics and how they defend to get through this game.
5: I'm disappointed in, in both of you, but especially in you, Ian, <laughs> as a, as a former fullback, that you should get so excited about Serbia's admittedly fantastic attack when Switzerland's defense is staring you right in the face. I mean mm-hmm. look at what they did to Brazil it took a brilliant goal and a deflection from Casemiro to beat this Swiss team who as as Mike said they're hard to score against but I I would disagree that they are you know keep I mean they will play in a low block but they're not they they're not going to just play for the 1-0 especially this game I mean I don't want us to dive deep into Balkan history hour because we could be here all day mm. but if you have <laughs> Granite Jacker if you have if he's fit Jerdan Shaqiri... You know, native Kosovo Albanians coming up against uh, Serbia. The sparks flew when these two teams met in 2018. Um, they're going to be a few people there with a uh, with a bone to pick, and and I think it's probably not wise to
3: say much more than that before we uh, offend. People. <laughs> <laughs> the concern is that Switzerland with the draw is 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 okay. Yeah. I mean, there it's very difficult to play against a team that is so good in defense that is so strong. And uh, the, it's not going to be worried to go forward because uh, they, they make that very a commitment for them. It's something that they will wait, they will see, and set pieces can be dangerous. So I think that uh, Serbia has got too much talent up front. We tied it, players that we've been following, Mitrovic, players that we've been following in Champs League, and they got so much talent. Those are the players that they will show up They're, Those are the players that are uh, the ones who want to be important in these kind of games where they is needed. So I still think that Serbia is going to do the job. I had them from the very beginning. It was one of my dark horses and we'll see. I'm 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 concerned about this uh, Switzerland team that is very well-organized at the back, but I still think that Serbia will do the job.
2: Yeah, it's not often that you see a team that is bottom of the group going into match day three being a chances, favorite. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. betting odds to go through and also to win that game against second place Switzerland. Too You're right, James. I don't disrespect them whatsoever. I just have a feeling that Serbia are going to turn this game on. And you mentioned politics and Balkan politics. I think that's where it's going to come into play here because discipline in that game is going to be tremendously important. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left here. Let's turn our attention to Group H. It's Ghana against Uruguay, South Korea against Portugal. Um, obviously, Portugal through to the last 16. Ghana can make it to the last 16 with a win or a draw versus Uruguay. Take it whichever way you want here, Mike. Michael, this is going to be a difficult one to predict as to who actually goes through with Portugal. Uruguay,
4: bottom of the table right now, still have a chance. Ah, I got to go with my black stars. Ghana, Mohamed Kudus. (laughs) Mohamed Kudus. Mohamed Kudus. This kid is flying. I love this kid. This is his time to shine.
2: Uh, Time to shine, I think he was saying. Time to shine from Kudus. <laughs> no, that is a face that you just love to see. James Mench, take it away from here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: where else to go
5: but uh, Luis Suarez. Um, I mean, I, you, you guys, again, you may know better than me, but certainly from the media side, we know that there are quite often occasions where players decide they want to do the press conference. And Luis Suarez, back against Ghana, uh, 12 years on from that handball, I mean, you know, he's wanted to do that press conference. He's wanted to remind Ghana that, hey, Asamoah Jean missed the penalty, guys. It wasn't me. I didn't knock you out. Um, that's my fear. That you, what you've seen is Uruguay played such beautiful football on to get in. At, you know, at the last. But at this tournament, they've kind of gone, oh, we might just Uruguay our way through this. You know, It's it's been a bit niggly. They haven't it's even scored a, a goal, niggle. James, right? They haven't scored <laughs> yeah, a goal. exactly. Doesn't this make it all feel inevitable? You know, when you just, you yeah. take off your sensible hat, you forget everything, and you just think, God, Uruguay are going to absolutely Uruguay this team, aren't they? <laughs> Ghana are gonna, it, it's going to go perfectly for Ghana, and it'll all fall apart in the last five minutes. I hope I'm wrong. I'd be devastated if I'm right. Um, but yeah, I fear... I fear some of Luis Suarez's dark arts might raise themselves again.
4: Yeah, I just, and you know, and, and Lucho, thanks for completing that last point about kudus. <laughs> it is his time to shine, but another player who I, I wonder if Spain would have liked to have him in their national team and Yaki Williams, this guy's going to be chomping at the bit. He's come close a couple of times that front three with Anyaki Williams as the centerpiece. I think he could be one of the crowning jewels for this Ghanaian team in a game like this, where he's got the pace, He's got that bit of quality. No, is he is he a consistent goal scorer in the final third? No, but I think it's games like this. Think of what he's done to the likes of a Barcelona. It's games like this where I think a player like him, alongside Kudus, could be the difference for a Ghana win.
3: Definitely with uh, Partey, We were talking about the about him the other day. He's the, 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 the player who can give the him and Samet, uh, can give the balance to this team. He knows exactly where to find gurus in the in those runs he makes in between the lines and Iñaki Williams is gonna be the one running up front. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Ghana as well. I'm not sure if they're gonna win, but they're gonna get the result. Um, I think you're white right. that haven't scored yet one goal with those those talents up front they got enough they've been very very poor and at the end that's what you get when you arrive with a lot of pressure for the last game
2: Uh, Kanata producer Kanata, let's put up the predictions one more time before we get out of here of course we've been predicting all the way through the world cup competition um it's been an interesting day yet again today james Benj, you had a very successful day in your predictions you're moving yourself Mm -hmm. slowly to the top of the The table once again Ah. yeah there you go
5: i don't even remember saying that
2: yeah, there you uh, go. I mean, the right prediction's
5: right there. I, so I had, um, when I did these, like right at the start of the group stage, I had Spain, Japan, and Germany all on six points, with J- and Japan out on goal difference for some heartbreaking reason or other. And so I was watching those last few minutes just going, oh, God, it's all going to go wrong for Japan. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what a phenomenal team, and uh, glad to see that my belief in them has has been vindicated.
2: Oh, Michael Lood, how did you do today with your predictions? Because I know that oh. it's, it's obviously been difficult for you trying to get those predictions correctly. I know you sometimes bet with your heart more than your head. Let's take a quick look as to how you did
4: a lot better Oh, than me. what is going on here? Yeah. I'll take the 10. Hey, yes, you know what? Yesterday, the last couple of days, that's why I, I, I'm pensive about what was going to come up. The last couple of days, it's been a horror show for me. Uh, but, you know, when I look at my long-term predictions, my World Cup's been screwed. Germany out. I had them winning the whole thing.
3: <laughs> <Bad decision. laughs> not good. Not good. I <laughs> <That's> Denmark <laughs>
4: finishing
2: third. Don't oh, worry about oh, it. Oh. James went for Denmark. So did many others. But I better (laughs) shut up because I got two points on the day. Lucho Garcia, thank you as always for joining us today. James Bench, Michael Hood, awesome stuff. We appreciate you guys. Thanks to everybody out there for watching our show. Thank you so much for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Germany are out. They're going home. Belgium are out. They're going home. Congratulations to Japan and Morocco. They're moving on. See you next time, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. Bye for now.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.